In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 112th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode, Tag, You're It. We all played that game as kids, and the Falcons played that game this week with defensive tackle Grady Jarrett putting the 15 million non-exclusatory franchise tag on the defensive tackle in order to extend their window to negotiate a new deal. Now, we heard and reported last week from Indianapolis that the parties were not close. We were told to go ahead and start working on something else, and so we did. We reported that. And uh, we predicted at that time they had to tag them. The Falcons were holding out hope they can get it done. But uh, we have now until July the 15th for them to get a deal done or have Grady sign that offer and play next season at 15.2. His market value is north of that now, uh, given the new landscape after the Aaron Donald deal which averages $22.5 million a year. Nobody's saying Grady Jarrett's Aaron Dotto, but he needs to be closer to that number, and that I'm sure that's where his folks are trying to get him, and his folks being Todd France of Atlanta, one of the head primary partners in the CAA Sports Agency. So by tagging Grady Jarrett, there's several issues that we have to discuss here today. We're going to discuss the Grady Jarrett tag issues. We're going to hear from Daniel Jeremiah. We had a one-on-one with him at the Combine and Charles Davis about some draft-eligible topics. And coming out of the Combine, we had to change our five players on the Falcons' radar. One player drops off, and we added another. We actually got two dropping off, and we added uh, two in there. So we uh, will talk about that. We're going to give an injury report. Coach Dan was a little cryptic. It was all over the place. But I went back and listened to everything and put it into one, uh, one, put all the injuries into one report for us. And I need to probably post that too online. And then uh, lastly, we uh, got, uh, you know, some quotes about the injury report and just uh, some of the potential free agency targets for this bargain basement venture that the Falcons will be up on here in uh, a week or so with the onset of the new league year. Now, salary cap issues, they're upside down, quite frankly. Uh, they're about a million. Uh, they would be over if they had to spend their rookie salary cap money uh, by putting Grady 
uh, on the cap at 15.2. They only had about 22.3 of cap room. And, uh, you know, the rookie class costs about eight. So that puts you one over. So anybody in the mortgage business know, and it happened a lot in 2006, you know, they're they're technically upside down. But uh, Dimitrov, Thomas Dimitrov believes in their, their capologist, Nick, Pope uh, can get them under and squeeze some room in a couple other different places in order to uh, be on the free agent market to add some some budget basement uh, free agents, some low market items. Uh, and what we're saying there are, are a couple guards, maybe, maybe a cornerback. I talked to Kevin Johnson's people uh, who got cut from uh, the Texans. I was supposed to get $9 million, had concussion issues, a former first-round pick out of Wake. And, you know, $2, 3000000 million might, might get Kevin uh, in here with the first-round talent. So uh, other people, some guards, uh, Nicky Eason, Kevin Papelli, uh, J.R. Sweezy's one to watch. Although, you know, there had to be some issues in Tampa with Dirk Cutter, because he left after play in one year, uh, they signed him to a five-year, $32.5 million deal in 16, and the Falcons wanted him, but that was too much for them. So he's 30 now. He played 15 games at left guard and right guard for Seattle last year, and we'll keep an eye on him, along with Nick Eason out of Harvard, played at the Vikings uh, 12 games. Last year, I believe that is uh, six three three oh three, but yeah, nothing. It's gonna be kind of like the Chris Chester move coming in to solidify the line. I don't uh, believe they're comfortable with any rookie coming in and do that. Although there are a couple that could be very valuable at the fourteenth pick, and we'll we'll go through that list here a little bit later. And salary caps upside down. Any money for free agency? Not right now. That suggests more player cuts are on the way. Uh, you know, Ryan Schrader, Sanu, uh, Desmond Trufant, if they're not cut, then they're possible candidates for restructured deals. And I know a lot of folks are um, all up in arms about Vic Beasley's $12.8 million uh, deal. I just can't see. They said they're not cutting them. They're going on their deal, and that will be closed on the 13th. So the salary cap's at $188.2 million, and the Falcons are projected to be right there on it. Uh, we haven't um, seen Shab's deal come across the NFL PA desk because they're probably uh, waiting for him to delay that while they work out some of these other deals uh, to create room so they can go out on the market and get the pieces that they need. You know, they, we know they're looking at corner. Uh, we know they're looking for an uh, interior or uh, or a tackle. That way they can slide uh, uh, Ty Sambrello into guard. But there's gonna make, they're going to make sure they have competition on that offensive line. They've said that, and uh, we believe them. So then just one of my random thoughts here. I uh, looked it up. I think he's too big. Uh, at 231, but maybe Duke Riley can play safety. Uh, 231, he probably have to get down to 220. Uh, but you know, he's doing pretty good on special teams. It was just that linebacker where he struggled. But one of the, you know, maybe they can do an experimental thing. I know they've moved uh, 
Safety's up to linebacker. Maybe uh, Duke can go back to safety. But just uh, that's just the uh, Falcons things that we have. Uh, some issues in the tag year. It Grady Jarrett. Uh, nobody's uh, faulting him for for making sure he gets his market value. He was a fifth round pick, two point four million dollars for four years. I mean, really, uh, you know, he's got to make sure that uh, he gets his market value here on the second deal. Uh, as after being what it, uh, turned out to be being underdrafted in the fifth round. So up in Indianapolis, we uh, we got a lot of transcripts back from that. We did a lot of interviews, had a entertaining Ed Oliver story. But uh, on Friday, got to sit down with Daniel Jeremiah, who was the uh, the new Mike Mayock for the NFL Network. And let's go to uh, the interview here with Daniel Jeremiah, the former scout with the Ravens, and uh, address some of the issues heading into this draft. He said he's not ruling out getting a guard at 14, whereas in the past, you would never think of doing that. And, um, you know, or there's some people there, you know, I guess Jonah Williams is one, but that uh, can, you know, help them as they try to revamp that line. I would love Jonah Williams there. I think that would make a lot of sense. I view him as an inside player. I know some, there are some teams out there that have him as a tackle. I think he can slide inside a guard. He could be a, a perennial pro bowler there. Mm-hmm. So to be able to put him in that in that system, I think he would fit perfectly. Uh, you'd be off and running. So that one would make a lot of sense to me. But there'll be some other good options in there, too. Yeah. Um, Baker, DeAndre Baker, where does he? Uh, where do you have him projecting? Uh, would 14 yeah. be too high for Baker? I have him as the best corner uh-huh. in the draft. Okay. I don't have a corner in the top 10, like just in right. my personal rankings. Uh-huh. Um, but he's my top guy. I'd have to go look at my list. I want to say I have him in the in the late teens, early 20s. So at 14, that's not to me, that's not much of a risk. It's not much of a leap there to go uh-huh. you know, take a player in that range. So I think he'd be in play. Uh-huh. He's somebody that is probably the most complete corner. You, know, uh-huh. you can play him in press. You can play him in off. Uh-huh. He's got ball skills, instincts. Um, the difference to me, I know Greedy, Greedy Williams Greedy is Williams taller and longer and all that, uh-huh. but I just think Baker's a better football player. Uh, he's tougher. Uh, he's, he's got a little grit to him. When I go back and look at you know some corners that I've missed uh, over the years, a lot of times the missing a component is just they're not real. They're not greedy. They're not tough. And you got to be able to play through the catch and, and be able to be physical. Mm-hmm. And I think DeAndre does that a little bit better. Mm-hmm. One of the things. There's Daniel Jeremiah breaking down a couple prospects for us. He said uh, Jonah Williams could be a Pro Bowl type player at guard, uh, 14. If he's going to be there for you for the next 10 years, hey, snap him up. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think he's going much higher than that. He should be there for the Falcons. So should Baker, and we know the Falcons are a need-based team. Here's what Charles Davis had to say about a couple prospects entering the draft. Colleges and the pros still a few differences. So I think that now you're evaluating linemen differently, unless, of course, you are truly doing what we call the universal pro-style offense. Because if you're meeting these kids halfway nowadays, it's not it's not as hard an evaluation, you know, for what you're getting. Now, whether they pan out or not, that's a whole other story, and, and we all know how that works out. But in the old days, it was a tough evaluation because the colleges were slimming down, and the pros still wanted them, them bulked up. And 
And now, maybe not quite the same, although if you want to be a physical running team, gap, power scheme and all that, you may have to evaluate a little bit differently. Right, so it's it's pretty deep here on the defensive line. Right, obviously tackle and, and everywhere. And there's a lot of the free agent pass rush for the franchise or whatever. But I think there's I think it's specifically about the Lions. How would you attack that need that they have as an edge rusher? Can you wait until the draft? You know, hoping to get one at number eight, expecting to get one at number eight. Do you need to get somebody right now? How would, you, how would you go about doing that? No, that's a great question, and, and I think a lot of that just depends on how they view and rank the free agent pass rushers versus the draft. I think that's what most teams will tell you. It sounds like draft speak, but that's truly what it comes down to. They don't think what they're going to find is there, but you really like it here. You have to make the move, you know, because we all know this is <laughs> this is as much Bear Bryant, Bum Phillips as, as it ever was. Protect ours, rush theirs. You know, and if you do that that's where your ball game is but i think you can find that value in in the draft i think it's deep enough that if you're talking about picking at that number there are going to be pass rushers there and available it's just a matter of how they feel about those free agents you're probably not going to get josh allen or both obviously that would be a stunner that that changed the whole that changed the whole deal but you know where does montez sweat go you know when you start to look at it there the way that people are doing it if we're just saying pure edge rusher that's going to change things the way we're playing nowadays with we're so much nickel and dime some of those inside rushers almost count as edge rushers if you find those guys and then you say okay that's where i'm going how deep will Jeffrey Simmons go in the draft? That kid from Mississippi State. You've got the off-field stuff. You've got the ACL. But my God, he is a flat-out wrecker. You know? And a lot of, you know, when I say a lot of people, I think there'll be some people that look at it and go, Quinnen Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, whoever's there for me, I'd, I'd take it. But how deep will they go now in the drop? I don't think they drop as far as they used to. Remember when the guy would get hurt before the draft and drop him four or five rounds? I don't think we do that nearly as much if you like the medical. Do you think Farrell or Sweat or one of those guys can be that guy at eight that can be that impact pass rusher? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, who was the other one? Rashad Gary. Gary. Yeah, see, see, I think that Sweat out of the three of them is the best pure pass rusher. Gary is stouter than any of the rest of them, so you can you can have a little more versatility whether you play him inside or play him on the edge. And I I, I have to get satisfied for my own satisfaction why his numbers were as low as they were. Because when you watch him play, you're like this guy's this and this, and you flash, then you look and you see the numbers and you don't see them. Um, and then uh, who's the third guy we were talking about? Oh, Colton. Well. Yeah, he's, he's so lengthy, and I know nowadays we want to turn these kids into hybrids, and it's understandable. Can he stand up? Can he put his hand on the ground? Can he do that? I think he's much more effective hand on the ground playing defensive end. And nowadays we don't have to be 285 pounds and play defensive end. You know, we can play him at 250, and that's what we do. Cardinals are uh, number 33 overall, first pick of the second round. Outside receiver, uh, are there certain guys that would kind of be around that spot, or maybe like a third round? I'm thinking the Cardinals might go receiver in one of the middle rounds. If there's certain guys that might be in that range, yeah, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a bunch of them. And you know, what's weird is I'm hearing these numbers. I haven't heard all of them yet. But did you hear about somebody's bench press numbers today? 27, Nikhil Harry at 27, I think it was a Metcalf, DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf at 27. See, DK Metcalf 
that's not Terry Metcalf. That's not that's not Terry Metcalf. That, that's that's the combination and stretched right. Like what the heck? But but those guys were there. You know, it's funny. I just popped on a tape this morning. I was uh, I got really early. I popped on a tape this morning on um, Humphrey, the kid from Texas. And what I'm seeing are these skyscraper receivers. Charles is on those skyscraper skyscraper receivers. Um, DK Metcalf. Uh, L.J. Humphreys from Texas. That was Charles Davis from the NFL Network. Talking about evaluating offensive linemen, which is a Falcon issue. Uh, the talent for that defensive line, which is a Detroit issue with Dave Burkett. And then Arizona looking for some uh, offensive weapons at wide receiver in the middle rounds. So that's what Charles was talking about there. We went about five minutes with him. Let's move on to five players on the Falcons' radar 14 coming out of the combine. The list has changed. Chad Ford, the uh, guard from Oklahoma, versatile to play guard or tackle. Of course, they could use either or. Jonah Williams remains on our list from Alabama. Dexter Lawrence uh, is on our list. The I just like him at 6'4", 340, Heretic Squad up there. But, I mean, the Falcons need somebody that's going to, you know, whack that line of scrimmage. And uh, I like the big fella there. If they're okay with this um, substance abuse suspension, I'm sure they'll do their background on that. Still keeping DeAndre Baker in here, although that 4-5-1 scares me a little bit. Uh, most people have him around 20, 21. But uh, the Falcons are a need-based team, and they'll take you higher than uh, a lot of the other people have you if they think you fit their scheme. You know, Keanu Neal, you know, the list goes on, Big Beasley, so forth, uh, and so on. Even going back to Parade Jerry over Clay Matthews over the scheme fit. Uh, they uh, they interviewed Jonathan Abrams. Now, he's a new person on my list here, 600, 200-pound. Uh, safety out of Mississippi State. Can never have enough good hard-hitting safeties. And uh, they're a lot in free agency right now. And the Falcons wanted to play some big nickel sometimes when uh, teams tried to load it up like Pittsburgh did. Uh, might be better to put another uh, safety out there. There were times when you had Richards, uh, Neesman, and Casey out on the field last year and we might see that some uh uh this year when um you know they go to some big nickel if they could squeeze uh you know a Jonathan Abrams out there to kid to start his career at Georgia 14 might be a little high for him but uh you know keep his name uh in the mix for now five on the radar now injury report we wanted to Put it all in one place because Coach Dale was talking fast through that. Uh, basically said he wants everybody back by training camp. He's not really counting on folks uh, for training camp. Or excuse me, for the uh, OTAs and mini camp and all that offseason stuff. But if, but if he can get him by training camp, he'll be more than happy. Uh, Deion Jones, the foot, uh, you know, that wasn't fully recovered. Uh, he'll have to, uh, you know, he's he's doing his thing. Keanu Neal updates us all on Instagram on how he's recovering from his knee. 
And Ricardo Allen, uh, you know, we talked at him specifically because talked about him specifically because you've seen so many times where they are coming back from that Achilles, and he seems like the guy that's going, you know, maybe push too hard or push too fast, and, and you just don't want to see him injure the other one, which uh, happened with uh, Sean Weatherspoon, and uh, did not. Coach pointed this out; he knew it better than I did. I didn't. I, I knew what it was, but I didn't. Uh, you know, throw these names out there. It was on him, Coach Dan Quinn. Uh, Croy Beerman had one, and, you know, he didn't have the second, but Spoon did, and that slowed him down to kind of derailed his career. And Coach Dan pointed out that there's a small percentage of folks that get the both, but they're going to be real uh, close with, uh, with Ricardo Allen, who's running, and, uh, you know, monitor that situation real closely. Brandon Fusco is definitely a training camp guy. He's starting to rehab. He had to uh, heal first. And uh, Coach Dan said, quote, you have to heal and then you get going on the mobility and strengthening. He is not running yet. And then overall, he's felt that. The guys are making good progress. So there's your injury report, you know, your off-season injury report. Don't expect any of these guys back for uh, OTAs or minicamp. There's no sense in rushing them. And uh, maybe you get Keanu out there so he can get his timing down, uh, get his angles back up. But, but you know, with the Ricardo, I think you want to – you don't want to push that Achilles too far. And the big boned ankle for Fusco, at some point you got to know if he can get back out there. But, uh, you know, don't don't need to rush him either. So we're going to wrap it up here at the 112th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Tag, you're it. Take care and have a great rest of the week. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.